The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Thank you. Can you hear me? Can you hear my heart beating? <laughs> Welcome. A couple of familiar faces and many new ones. I met uh, a woman tonight, it's her very first time here. And um, <clears throat> it's my first talk. So it's one of those first kind of nights, you know. Um, I kind of want to thank everybody for being here tonight. Um, not obviously because I'm here, you know, but I want to thank you all for being willing to do this practice and to um, turn towards ourselves a little bit. You know, there's a phrase you'll hear a lot around here that's um, self, um, self-awareness is seldom good news, you know. Um, and sometimes, you know, looking at the things that arise when we quiet, you know, our lives a little bit and we're not running around and distracted and, and the kind of things that we're, we're all distracted in, in this culture. Um, so I really appreciate, and you know, in this community, this is the Sangha, you know, uh, the, the triple crown, you know, the triple jewel, uh, triple crown is I think the batting title, the home runs and the RBIs, I think that's baseball, but the triple jewel is the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. And without the Sangha, you know, um, it's a challenge to, to practice and uh, learn the Dharma and awaken. Um, so thank you all really very much for practicing because it supports me, you know, and we support each other. And this is an amazing place. Um, typical talks, the first time you talk is called a way-seeking talk, you know. And so the last three weeks since Gil asked me to give this talk, I have had so much a term in Buddhism called Sakyaditi, which is... Mm, self-view, view of the self, conditioned self, you know, in, in sort of modern parlance, ego, you know, awareness. Like, I'm, I'm going to give this talk, and it's got to be good, and I've been practicing for all these years, and, you know, what if, I, what if I fail, and what if I'm really boring, and, you know, what if I make myself sick talking about myself, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, gosh, you know, I had a friend today as I was leaving the office. She said, why don't you lower your bar a little bit? Maybe if you just don't vomit, that would be a good talk, <laughs> you know? And I said, thank you. Thank you. Whew, so far, so good, you know? So far, so good. I'll give her a good report. It was fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I've been thinking about, well, what am I going to talk about, you know, my early childhood, or, you know, all these things that, you know, that, that, um, that come up over three weeks. I mean, I, I've, I probably started this talk 
way over a hundred times in all the sittings that I've done, you know, just like starting. And then I'd go into one thing and then I'd go into another. And of course today or last night I wrote some notes and I put them on this thing and I'm kind of old and I've made them really big and these kind of highlights. And I'm looking at my stack and they're in the car. <laughs> you know? And I go, well, okay. Good. But... Um, so then I, as, I, as I went through this, I even have a friend, you know, uh, who, who was willing to sit through like a practice run and I was doing this thing and I go, God, I'm so sick of myself in 10 minutes, you know. So we were kind of laughing and I, I mentioned it to Gil the other night and he goes, well then, you know, tell him that. <laughs> you know, talk about that, you know. So it was like, like, well, you know, so I started to realize, I said, you know, I really like sharing the Dharma. I like talking about the practice with people. I talk with people all the time throughout my day about the practice. Almost every conversation I'm in, we talk about it. And, and I think we all, once we kind of get exposed a little bit to it, that's what we do. When we meet people and they're in difficulty or they're having a challenge, if we, this practice allows us to pay attention, to listen, to notice, to experience. And sometimes it's difficult, the experience. We're going, oh, I've, you know, it's a well traffic, you know, I don't really like this. And, you know, or a situation where somebody's really doing something that's making us uncomfortable. Well, you know, and so being able to just be with that and pay attention and listen and be present is really some of what this practice enables us to do in our lives and share. So when I realized, I said, oh, I'm just going to share some practice and share the Dharma and, and talk a little bit about why I would do this for 26 years, you know, and, um, and how appreciative I am of being able to do it and have, have found it in a sense, you know, and that you're here, all of you are here, you found it too, you know, and um, I was thinking about the Buddha, you know, this amazing person like 2,500 years ago who somehow figured out this sort of through, uh, you know, just through unbelievable commitment, you know, to the truth in some ways and started teaching the Four Noble Truths, you know, uh, all the different um, teachings that he's offered all these years and it's continued on carried on. Here it is today. We're a direct extension of that process over 2,500 years ago. And in, out in our daily life, we're spreading that, we're talking about it, we're offering, let's, you know, let's meet this, with this, uh, this situation with compassion. Can I meet this situation with compassion? Can I meet this situation with kindness? Noticing when, when we're not oh, I'm really irritated right now. I, I'm, I have a lot of aversion about this. Interesting. You know, not necessarily beating ourselves up about it. Oh, I shouldn't have aversion about it, but just saying, I, this is aversion arising. I see this. You know, I can see this. I kind of want to share something. Uh, I'm, I brought some extras too. Um, 
I'm going to do a short little chant. Um, and if you know it, you know, hum along, hum a few bars. You know, but um, I chant this every day, and uh, it's, real, it's, it's very helpful to me, so I wanted to share it, uh, essentially. Anichiwa ta sankara Upariwa yadamano Upakitoa nerjante Te sam vipasamo suko All conditioned things are arising and passing away. Understanding this deeply brings the greatest happiness, which is peace. So I brought some copies of that if people want it. I don't, I don't you know, that'll be up here. And uh, also just for fun, we have this amazing website thanks to this gentleman and some other folks. And the other thing about this community here is everything's based on Donna. All the people that support this community just do it out of their practice. There's no paid positions. Everybody, you know, does everything out of, you know, their, their practice out of generosity. Even Gil, the teacher, the senior teacher. And this um, Dharma site, you know, the Dharma website is amazing. Like, here's the Dharma lists. This is every one of the Buddha's lists, all the numbers. Four Noble Truths, you know, the Eightfold Path. The Buddha was crazy cool. He says, let's do this all by numbers, you know, like, yeah, you know, the three characteristics, the three pillars, the three positions. The, so all the threes are together, you know. And you're just like, it's so, it's boom, all in one place, you know. It's on the site, too, by the way, but I just made some copies. Um, I'll tell a funny story about um, in 1967 I was pretty young I was 20 and I um, I went into this community because I had really just did my very best to destroy myself by the time I was that age with drugs, alcohol you know just crazy you know just insane behavior if you sequence the time frame you know you can sort of make that you know it's like wouldn't it be cool if there was just a pill you could take and get all that peace and all that kind of equanimity and everything? And so we all, some of us back in the day, tried all this experimentation. So it ran me in, off the rails. I ended up like, at 20 years old, a mess, really a mess. And I went to this community. And it, I, I had, my ill-spent youth, I would contracted hepatitis C. And so I was... At the time I was in, went into this community, there was a group of us that had this condition. So we were all isolated in this little, these little cells really below this, I mean, it was really the small little thing. And there were three guys, Bob Hoffman, Bill Quinn, and me. And Bill Quinn was 20 years older than I was. And he had lived with Krishnamurti. 
at one point. And so he's this older guy, and he's in the room, and, and, and he's just got this al- a record album. Many, there's some here that know what that is, this little vinyl thing, you know. And he's got this Krishnamurti meditation tape going on. And I'm like, you know, I'm like out of my mind, actually. But So I walk in, and I sort of say, hey, well, what's going on? He goes, oh, this is, you know, I live with this guy, you know, he's in meditation. He's very peaceful and calm. And I go, and I listen to the tape for a little while, and I go, he says, why don't you go try it? You know, I said, okay. So I take a walk. It's, this is a rural area up in West Marin. And um, I find this little place, and there's this tree, and I get under the tree, and I like, and like, wow, my mind was like a million cats, you know, just screaming, you know, and I was like, I thought, well, no peacefulness yet, no quietness, you know, it's just like insane. And I, I think I sat maybe 30 seconds or 45 seconds and said, boom, I'm not, meditation is not for me. And that was it, you know, I took off. And uh, years later, um, at another kind of critical time in my life, I was about 37, and I, um, I had sort of started to run myself off the rails again, and I said, you know, I gotta, I, I've been here before, I don't want to do this again. And it's, you know, it's, of course it's all about avoiding the unpleasant, wanting the pleasant, looking for pleasure, looking for ecstasy, looking for something, you know, that's going to just make this not, make me not feel so bad. Because that's where I, I felt bad. I had all the typical, many, many of us, typical traumatic kind of childhood issues, dysfunctional families, all these conditions that, you know, poor me, you know. And I had, I had that built into, you know. And so... But this was serious, and I, I. And what's interesting, I remembered the other day in the hundreds of the talks that I've given, I was reading a Krishnamurti book at the time, right? And I went to see an older friend, and I told him I'm really miserable. I'm starting to use drugs again. He says, I, you know, I don't know what to do. And he says, well, What do you want to do? And I says, I don't want to do anything. He says, Well, don't do anything. And I, it was like, So what? What? You mean I cannot do anything? Because I was doing a job I didn't like. But I was fortunate in, in some ways. I didn't have a mortgage and a family and all these other commitments. I was pretty much on my own. So it was February. Freezing cold in Tahoe. And I like to ski. And I said, I don't know about that. And a friend of mine, a roommate at the time, had a friend who lived on Maui. And I said, Maui? I hear that's warm in Hawaii. And he had a friend, and she met me at the airport, and I went to Maui. I bought a one-way ticket, packed up my bag, sold everything. My net worth was like 1500 bucks, and I went to Maui. I didn't know a soul. And she met me at the airport, this really beautiful woman, big, beautiful woman, Jidre. You know, this is Maui, back in the early 80s. And... Um, she knew everybody on the island. It was like, I couldn't have had better good fortune. I mean, she was the network queen, you know. And within a month, I was going to Sufi dancing, doing yoga. Um, um, Aiken Roshi had a song there. I was sitting with Aiken Roshi, who I didn't even know who he was, you know. Lama Tenzin, this Tibetan teacher, had a dharma a dojo there, you know. And I was like, Wow. 
And Jidre was trying to lose a little weight, going to yoga every day. And, and I would hitch a ride with her, and I'd do two and a half hours of this Ashtanga yoga with this great teacher, Nancy Gilgoff. I met Walter Becker, one half of Steely Dan. I mean, all this crazy stuff started happening, you know? And I, and, and I just I decided I wasn't going to work. I was going to let the money go and see what happened. I was just going to trust and see what happened. So one day, Nancy was dating this Zen priest, like, like Gil had become, you know, different people. And he did a little zazen out on the bench after the yoga class, you know. And uh, again, I'm thinking, okay, well, here's the meditation thing again. That didn't go so well the first time, you know. So I sat there and pretty much the same stuff, you know. You know, just spinning away. And he got up and, and you know, there wasn't a lot of discussion about it. You know, we just kind of went off and went our way. And, uh, but it inspired me a little bit. So I went over and I started studying. A friend of mine studied with Aiken Roshi. I did a couple of shashins. I started doing some sitting. Um, still, you know, my life wasn't too impacted by what I was doing. It wasn't like this big change was occurring, you know. But I, and I continued to Sufi dance. I continued to do a lot of different things that supported being awake a little bit. And then, as um, I mentioned in the little bio, um, Kamala Masters, a good friend of mine at the time, and um, Mirka Kastner, and my former wife, Candle, we would all sit Sunday mornings in Mirka's house and listen to a Joseph Goldstein or a Meninda tape. And it was starting to kind of get a little Vipassana, Theravadan Buddhist input. And then... Uh, um, Kamala invited Sister Ayakema, who was a, a Sri Lankan nun, who was a householder all her life, and then when she, her kids went away, she went and became a nun. And I had never sat silently, you know, in my life, pretty much, uh, other than these short little sits, and I did a 10-day Vipassana. And um, it was actually quite easy for me, it turned out, because everybody else was quiet, I didn't have anybody to talk to, you know, or chat with. But it was unbelievably agitating. Because I don't think I sat one session where I didn't move and didn't fidget and didn't shift and didn't change. And it was a lot of lack of understanding. But there's one thing, you know, that Sister Ayakema would say, burning karma you're burning karma for you and everyone else. And I kept, I didn't really understand that at the time, to be honest. I mean, I kind of knew karma, but burning karma, you know? And right now I'm thinking, this is way too much information. It's like, you know, I've got way too much material to use tonight. I'm going to run out of time. I, you know, I don't, the whole point is, I'm just going to kind of just let it ramble. In fact, one of the notes on the paper I don't have says ramble. You know, just kind of go wherever you want to go and let it all kind of happen and not get too caught up about it. Tell little stories and, you know, so, you know. There's no point, really, in this talk, so... Just so you know. <laughs> Just so you know. The point is, man, I've only got a little ways to go. And the three weeks that I've been stressing about will be over. 
You know, it's like, wow. And that's a very great point I want to make. I have had such a great lesson with the, the, the lesson of when I was all consumed with my story and me telling my story and me giving a good talk and me blah, 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 blah. Oh, God, I felt so bad. I mean, I just felt so much stress. I said, oh, God. But then I said, but if I'm just going to share a little of the Dharma with people, like some folks that never even been in, you know, they have no experience to it at all, you know. I said, that would be fun. That will be fun. You know, and I've even encouraged a couple of my friends if they want to raise their hand anytime, ask a question, interrupt, you know, say, well, dude, wait a minute, you know, what, what that's that other thing you did, what's that mean, or whatever. I said, please feel free, interrupt me. I interact better, you know. It's like when, sometimes when, when Gil gives talks, he likes to get a little something going, because what I dig, I teach a little of the basic meditation too, you know, the beginning meditation course. And I love hearing why people come to the practice. I love their, you know, why, how'd you hear about it? What, you know, what your expectations are, you know, what you're working with, you know, because it, we're all in the same boat and really are in the same boat, you know. Um, and to me, that's, that's really um, why I continue to do the practice. So, yeah, I'm way too ADD to try and figure out some kind of outline and give a specific kind of talk. And, you know, really, it's not, it isn't going to work. And if I try to do it, I'm going to, you know, it won't be good. It, it will, it, yeah. So, so far, no vomiting. The bowl appreciates that, you know. And uh, we're, we're coming there, we're coming down to the, to the stretch. Um, and that was one of the other things I recognized. I said, God, you know, I could talk, I, I'm not, this is just, I'm not, trust me, you're not going to get stuck in this room, but I once talked six hours straight, uninterrupted, because somebody asked me a specific question, and, and, and I was in an environment, I was in a setting where it, this, we were here for long hours and it just it started, you know. And people piped in once in a while and sort of identified and stuff. But I was just rambling on like cold and half Caulfield, you know, just telling my life story. And I was only 29. And I said, man, I'm 63. I can't do that. That's not going to happen. You know, it's just endless, right? So... Yeah, so... Um, so what happened in Hawaii? Well, you know, see, the issue... The, the is, see, here's the issue with that. See, because I have this habit, so this tendency to put things in context. So people ask me something about a part of my life, and then I go back five years to get it to context, you know? And it's like, dude, man, answer the question, you know? So what happened in Hawaii, I spent 14 years in Hawaii. I got married and was living with a person within a month who we were together for 12 years of that. Both of us Vipassana practitioners. Um, I started... Um, lots of crazy things happened. What's interesting on that retreat, I, had, I was living as a caretaker with my partner on the North Shore in Hawaii. It was a big property. 
And I was broke and kind of doing whatever. And, I, and somebody had given me a couple of pot seeds, you know. So I planted the pot seeds, you know, and I kind of got them growing. And I says, well, I'll put a couple of plants out there, you know, and make some money, you know. Nothing serious, but it wasn't like some big professional thing. And I had these plants, and it was sort of fun. I was gardening and planting and seeing if I could do this, right? So then I'm sitting in this retreat, <laughs> I take the five precepts, you know, right livelihood, you know, <laughs> like, you know, sila, you know, and I'm like going, dude, I, I don't think the plant, the pot plants is, I don't think that's right livelihood, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that's not too good, so I leave the place and I go pull the plants, <laughs> you know, but it's like, there's this sort of on the path, you know, focusing, dedicating, and then like, oh, not so much on the path, you know, pulling back. And so I've watched this sort of ebb and flow. You know, I was saying to, to a friend the other day, um, even recently, um, I did a retreat in 2008 with Steve Armstrong and Gil. And I hadn't done a retreat, and I was trying to think back, like three or four years maybe, even more. And... Um, I had been lost in thought prior to that for three years. I was playing online poker. You know, I'd come home, I'd get caught up in online. It wasn't because I was an obsessive, compulsive, you know, gambler, but it was entertainment. It was easy. I'd come home, instead of watching TV, I'd, I'd get on and I'd play poker. And I'd rationalize, well, it's interacting, I'm using my brain, it's anti-Alzheimer, you know, all this <laughs> stuff, right? Man, I had every rationalization in the world. But I noticed I, I would be agitated a lot because, you know, donkey, how do you, why do you make that play? You donk? You know, it's like you're yelling at the monitor. You know, it's like I'm just agitated all the time. And my practice had gotten a little bit weaker as a result and so forth. And I'd sort of lose away. Not like I'm a bad person. I'm playing poker with my time or I'm watching too much TV or anything. But it's not really going to move towards liberation, it's not going to increase, you know, this, this possibility of compassion, you know, and that paying attention to what I do in my life, you know, in a daily way to support my practice. So then again, I'm in this retreat. I'm going, yeah, you know, Steve, I've been playing too much poker. He says, yeah, well. And I got out of the retreat, I canceled my poker account, you know, stopped watching TV, and I, you know, and I kind of got into the rhythm of the practice and sitting and so forth, and it really encouraged me to, to come back to the practice, you know. So there's an expression, you know, uh, it, it's a quote that has something, no matter how many times you, you, you fall, get up, start over, get up, get over, start, just keep getting up and starting and restarting. And my life in many ways, when I look back at it, is really about that, you know, coming back to the practice. The other day Gil gave a talk and he talked about probably the single most important thing that he has is a determination, you know, a non-giving up, a not quitting, you know. And um, I think this, this particular practice, because it's so challenging to turn toward you know, these things that we have self-judgment about or self-criticality about, you know, 
to really to remember to have a great deal of compassion for ourselves through this process, especially as you come to this practice and people say, okay, now follow the breath, you know, we're going to follow the breath now. And one breath and then you're asleep or next thing you're planning your shopping trip or what you're going to do tomorrow night, you know, all these other things where we lose the, the, the ability to connect with the present moment with ourselves, with our suffering, with our anger, with our frustration, with all the things that we experience as human beings. You know, living in the sense realm, in this human realm, wow, it's, it's challenging. It's really, really challenging, you know. And I often tell people that are new to the practice, I go, you know, it's, there's a tendency to think, so I'm going to come and I'm going to meditate and I'm going to get calm and I'm going to get rid of all this stuff that I don't care too much about, you know, that I have aversion to and, and difficulty around. And I go, no, not so much. You know, it might be worth viewing the idea that you may learn to welcome these conditions, you know, to see, you know, the difficulty and, and allow it to be present, just to see if you can soften around our relationship to it so that we're not trying to get rid of it. Okay, I don't want this. I, w I want to be peaceful. I want to be relaxed. Well, that's good. You know, it's, wanting that is excellent, but the process of really understanding it is all conditioned things are arising and passing away. Understanding it deeply brings the greatest happiness, which is peace. You know, what is that, that, that experience of arising and passing away? I mean, this Buddha, this guy was amazing. I mean, he's saying, okay, look, you know, notice the arising and passing away. Look at the impermanence. That's kind of one of the things that you first sort of, when you start doing this practice, you say, oh, the breath. In and out. Where'd the in-breath go? Oh, it, it went in and then it went out. Okay, it's changing. Oh, this knee pain. Oh, it's there. I feel it. It's really intense. If I don't move, I'm going to die. Or it, 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 you don't die. You don't puke. You know, and all of a sudden, well, my back pain or my ear itches or, you know, I really feel great and feel peaceful. So the this idea of Things changing, you know, and understanding that, really understanding it, is so important. And that's why, for me, when people say, "What's you know, what's you know, what what is it?" The practice tend to come back to for me. It's the four noble truths, you know. It's this, and you know, maybe you've heard them, maybe you haven't, but you know. The Buddha came back, his first talk after awakening was to a bunch of ascetics that he, he practiced with and he went and found these guys and said, okay, the first noble truth, life is difficult, dukkha, it's unsatisfactory. And as I sort of defy anybody in this room to not say, yeah, I kind of notice a little bit of unsatisfactoriness and irritation and kind of Ajahn Sumedho says, it's continuous irritation life in this realm and we're constantly shifting and saying oh maybe if I move here it won't hurt so bad or maybe I won't be irritated and we're constantly strategizing instead of just saying okay well, well you know that, that's interesting so I'm noticing my irritation and my dukkha and then um, 
So that's something as humans we're going to experience. It's, it's not, we can't avoid it. We can try. And, you know, we're here doing this because we recognize that. You know, and then obviously the, sec- the second noble truth is the cause of that is our clinging to things that we don't want to be there. We don't want that and we want this. And once we recognize that the clinging is the source of the suffering and when we let go of the clinging, cessation of the, of the suffering, we're free. Third noble truth. And then, you know, the path, the eightfold path, here they are. Get your copy. Um, that helps us kind of move in that same direction to become aware of it. So, to me, almost all the practices, all the lists, everything, they all come back to that. And it's so simple, but not easy, you know. So, I'm going to chant that thing one more time to kind of close. Um, But before I do that, um, anybody that would like to make a comment or say anything or ask anything, feel free to do so. Um, And if not, I'll be around afterwards. I want to thank you all so much for coming tonight to my way rambling seeking uh, talk. It was wonderful. Anichiwa ta sankara Upariwa yadamino Upakitoa nerojante Te sam vipasamo suko All conditioned things are arising and passing away. Understanding this deeply brings the greatest happiness, which is peace. May you all be peaceful just as you are. Thank you.